off top, the son of an escaped enslaved person, Paul Robeson, was a two-time All-American at Rutgers and also valedictorian. While in the NFL, he earned a law degree from Columbia. He quit football, became a movie star, musician, and then committed his life to activism. It's a real crazy story. You should take some time to read about it. Play the music! It's the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? Just feeling very unaccomplished right now. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I couldn't fit in all the impressive things from the his dalliances in politics and everything. But he's a civil rights activist, a, a workers' rights activist. Moved to Europe where he became a star there. But anyway, we'll get we'll get back to that at some later point, or I'll send you a book or something. But um, where I wanted to start was with Ja Morant. And it's not about the incidents, any of the incidents in particular. It's just much, I don't know, it's a bigger picture thought, I guess, that I've been working with and juggling with when it comes to to Ja Morant. And it's just like about maturation and growing up. And I think we often think of people as being adults after they're 18 or 21 or 25 or like... I don't think that's how it works. I guess there's no there's no law that you have to stop. I guess you do. We all like stop maturing physically uh, at a certain age, around 16 to 20 or so. But you never really stop growing up, I think. Or you shouldn't, at least. I, I feel like one of the the worst things about getting older and also the best thing about getting older is looking back at how stupid you were or all the stupid things you said or did or thought just a couple years ago. And I have that now as I'm coming up on my 40th birthday, I can look back at things that I did when I was 35. And you, you know, you think like a 35 year old is a full grown person and that you are who you are, but I, I don't know. I don't believe that. And it pertains to job because I think we're seeing him do some really immature things and everyone's like, you're a grown ass man. But at the same time, like I mentioned, I can think of things, nothing as risky or as um, dangerous as job, but I can think of things from just a few years ago that I'm embarrassed by and positions that I took. And like, I don't know, it's just the the whole conversation around this is fortunately nothing like irredeemable has happened with John Morant. So like, I think he's lucky in that regard, or we're all lucky in that regard. And there's more than enough people talking about how serious this stuff is. But I, I think what I find interesting, most interesting about it is how we just assume that once you get to the NBA, once you got a certain amount of money, and it's not just for athletes, it's for all people. We just assume that, oh, he's 20, whatever, or he's 30, whatever he's done. This is who he is. And like it, it the maturation process I don't think ever stops or should ever stop. And once it stops and once you can look back on the things that you did two years ago and say, Oh, I did everything just right. I have no regrets. And it's not like mistakes that you made, but I, I think about decisions that I made and like opinions that I held that was like just wrong and, and, and based on like emotion or faulty perception or, or based on my identity more than it's based on, uh, the ideals that I believe that I have. So like, that's a far cry from John Morant dangling a gun in a strip club or something that looked like a gun in a strip club. I get it. But I think it's, 
it's the same thing, just on a bigger scale. And I hope he's headed in the right direction. And the last thing I'll say before um, I want to hear what you have to say about it is maturation is like the word I think that I, I landed on. But as I'm talking about, it, I think the word is more about wisdom because maturation, I think, um, I think it invokes the image of like an ascent, like you're maturing, you're like getting higher and higher, you're getting closer and closer. And then you finally reach some plateau of like emotional and psychological maturation. And I don't think maturation works like that, which is why I think the word that I want to use is wisdom is it's more like you're going on a journey and things in your environment change and opportunities pop up some similar to previous opportunities, some very different, but it's just more about you having more experience and more wisdom to help you learn and make decisions. This is something I struggle with in trying to like raise children. It's like, how do you pass on wisdom? And I feel like you can't in so many ways. It's all, it's often about like wisdom feels like a byproduct of experience. And as someone who was a smart young know-it-all, like I regret <laughs> when older people with better experience, like not everybody who's older than you is going to give you the right advice, but older people with similar experiences with me told me things and I was like, ah, that's stupid. And I look back on those things like, damn, I could have saved myself a lot of pain and probably some money too, if I would have just listened. Yeah. So I think you said a lot there. I want to get, I want to get, <laughs> I want to get through. Sorry. No, no, no. I want to, I want to go through because I think there are two interesting things to me about talking about this. One is talking about the instance itself. And another one is talking about how we've talked about and digested John Morant. Um, and I want to say off the top, I don't want to preach. I don't want to scold. If you want to preach, join the bleeping clergy. We're not here for that. We're here to talk about this actual thing. Um, I see it two ways. Like I, I'm totally with you. None of this is irredeemable. A lot of this is dumb decisions, bad judgment, objectively bad judgment. Going on Instagram live with a tiny little gun at a strip club after all of the reports that came out is heroically bad judgment and yeah. not something that we should just downplay because that can go a whole lot worse as it went. Um, but with that said, I, I, I find myself leaning towards the way that you're, you're, you feel on this as well, which is that mm. a lot of this is like, I don't want to say he's a child and infantilize him. He is not a child. He is a 23 year old. He has a massive Nike deal and they're invested in them getting right. The NBA is invested in them getting right because he is the most beloved player by kids. I imagine if you pull Declan's friends, half of them's favorite player is John Morant. So there's actually investment in people caring about him figuring this out. I don't think anything's irredeemable, but I also don't totally want to like let job the hook with the whole boys being boys argument, which of, of it. And then the second part of this is how we talk about all of this stuff. And I don't know if you found this difficult, but I think it's really hard when people talk about John Morant and his friends and the bad judgment, there's a ton of coded language in it. And I think it's, it makes it really hard to talk about and be like, Hey, this is really dumb. And this is really dumb shit without it seeming really dog whistly. But it's also like, I, I don't know how to find the middle ground here. What I'm searching for is the proper way to be like, hey, this is unacceptable. But like, John, we're not like, we're not out on you. I don't view this as like, to the extent of Antonio Brown, like, I don't really want to watch you play football anymore. 
I just like want you to stop doing this dumb shit. Yeah, the the waving the the gun or thing that looked like a gun on Instagram was the first time that I got like really concerned yeah. because that was like a deliberate decision. It wasn't like <clears throat> it took initiative. Yeah. Like uh some of these other decisions were like in the heat of the moment and like you get a call from your mom, yeah, you're going to go protect her and a situation could escalate. At a basketball game at your house, a situation could escalate. And not to say that that it should escalate to the point where you're allegedly brandishing a gun or allegedly beating up, uh, or I guess he admitted that he punched him, but beating up a 17-year-old or uh, pushing a security guard and all that stuff. It should not get to that point. But like those are steps that I could understand. And I've been in situations where I saw things like this happen. What I have not seen is someone who had or i guess i have not seen this uh, out of someone who didn't have much bigger issues where they have a track record and all the attention is on them for their behavior and then they go out of their way to do something that is like gonna make it worse and is either mocking to everyone else or just flat out dumb and that was the first time because prior to this you remember like we talked about it on debatable i would just kind of say like yeah all this stuff is sucks all this stuff is stupid but i can't wait for next season where at the beginning right. of the season when when they write this expose about how or not expose they they write a profile about how jai has grown up in the off season and we all put this behind us because that felt like the path that we were on until i saw the instagram live video and then it had me asking like is he something different than what I thought he was? Right. I thought he was like a young man being dumb and uh, or not being dumb, a young man getting caught up in emotions and going a little too far. And we had celebrated that. We had celebrated. Yeah. We were like, this guy's brash. He is different. He is exactly what we need. Do you remember last year against the Warriors? He was, I mean this in the best way. He was an awesome sports asshole in that series. Yeah. And we celebrated that. And then it was like, to me, that was, like the the line he was towing was brash to maybe being like a fun asshole not this yeah right yeah and so that that is concerning i don't know the answer to that because i don't know him personally and that's what is really so like you have different discomforts around talking about this i my discomfort about around talking about this is mostly about after the ig live incident i'm like what are we talking about here because prior to that we're talking about a young man who's not yet fully um mature and now we're talking about well there's a lot there's a lot there too maybe something worse and there's a lot and i'm glad you brought that up because that actually goes directly into jaw's statement after the grizzlies said he was going to step away from the team an interestingly worded statement from the grizzlies and nike statement where they talked about his stress management and his mental health and him needing to figure out how to handle stress and i i view that as handle his entire you know life of being this version of john Morant, and it's the thing you brought up about priors is really interesting. It's a ding, ding, ding point because there was no slow descent into this. This all came together really quickly where it went from lovable brash John Morant to what the hell is going on. And I actually think it makes it really hard to talk about in certain ways because it's hard to flip the switch and talk about someone having mental health problems that we don't understand when it's a slower descent to it, when we see it coming. But this coming so like rapidly this is really three weeks in my in my opinion it's three weeks from when the the story of the laser being picked up to now um there's there's not time for me to emotionally switch and view jaw through a 
that lens where I've, I've built up empathy yeah. for other people in that point and not giving him the benefit of the doubt there also feel shitty, but then yeah. just, just wiping it all off on something that is something we don't understand. We don't know how to talk about mental health. We can't talk about this story. It's really hard to find the middle ground of like appropriately upset, appropriately empathetic, appropriate discomfort right. where, where the line on this is. Yeah. I think one of the things that to speak to myself, one of the things that I've, like to think I've matured into. And one of the things I regret when I look back at who I was just a couple years ago mm-hmm. was I like to think that I take, I'm more take into account what's being said about a situation, especially when they're important situations. I take into account what's being said and I allow that to influence the, the commentary that I offer. And let me explain. So like, I don't feel like there's any more need for John Morant grandstanding. And I mean, grandstanding makes it feel pejorative, but for us to say, John Morant, get it together. You trying to throw it away. You stupid. Like that's people are saying that for themselves. People online who are saying that they're doing it for likes and retweets and trying to be like the king of empathy. And that stuff drives me crazy too. And that's what also leads to the discomfort of talking about all this because you don't don't want to be aligned with them. Yeah, You're not a (laughs) lemming. You're not following them for the, for virtue signaling. You want to actually talk about this in a fair way. So I I think to be critical of myself some is I think before I was much more like that in in my media persona where I was like, what is and it wasn't conscious. I wouldn't sit down and be like, what's the right thing to say? But I was obviously aware of what that what I was what I was saying was going to be heard by a lot of people. And more than anything, I think what I wanted was people to be like, yeah, that's what needed to be said. I'm glad you said it. Whereas now I feel like I feel slight more bit of wisdom and more responsibility in talking about the things that aren't getting talked about in these type of situations. And I guess we're starting to get close to this like mental health stuff. I can't speak to John Morant's mental health, but I think it's fair to like bring it all into perspective. There's nothing more to be gained, I guess, by saying like, he's stupid. This is bad. This is dumb. You shouldn't do that. Obviously like, we don't, you should do that. But getting to the bottom of how, why he's doing it and what's going on and what we all can learn from it and how we all, I think that's the thing is like to try to empathize with him or with anybody is a tough situation, particularly in this one, because what ends up happening is people start presenting these narratives that we don't know to be true (laughs) about the type of person that he is and how, uh, and this is, again, it feels dog whistly when you hear people talking about these type of people. When like, when you hear people saying he got to drop those old friends, like like, all that stuff is like so dog whistly and uncomfortable tropey, but at some point, you and I need to get back and talk to the real basketball. So I, I think I'm done on the John Morant stuff. Unless you got anything else that you wanted to touch on, the, the let's last, talk about the Suns. The last thing I wanted to say on it is it's where at a weird inflection point. And I could see us never talking about this again or talking about it yeah. again in a couple of weeks because I don't know if this is something that is like a blip on the radar. And people in their 20s have come to Jesus moments when they're like, I got to yeah. grow up on certain things. Or it's going to go the other way. Or it's going to be a constant unsure. Do you remember... On. Um, I don't know. I think we like to look back and tell these stories that have that are like movies and they have like these real clear inflection points. And I think like I'm capable of doing that in my own life. But in actuality, it was never a switch hit. Like I just like look back and I was like, damn, that was dumb two years ago. Like I And I think like um, 
I talk about like losing friends or losing people close to me. And like, I'll point to those as like, that's when I decided that I wasn't going to do nothing like that. When no, I, it wasn't like that. But I guess maybe the question I was asking you is, or I guess anybody who's, who's listening, I'd be interested to hear if they do have moments like that. Cause it seems so hard to me. Yeah. Everybody wants John to be like, Oh, but yesterday you were John Morant, everyone's favorite basketball player. And now today you're in trouble. So tomorrow you should wake up and not, and no longer be the person you were yesterday. Like this yeah. is a process. You, you don't just change like that by the flip of the switch. I don't care how scary something is that happens to you. That's what happens in the movies and TV. It does not actually happen in real life. I actually, I, I, I think I have a career inflection point where that happened to yeah. me. And I was actually John Morant's age. I was 23. I had been working my first job as an investigative consultant for a small company. And I fucking mailed it in. I hated the job. I wanted to work in sports. I had applied to a dozen jobs and couldn't get one. And I mailed it. I mailed it in and they kept me on and didn't really say anything. It's really awkward to say something to, you know, an entry level employee. He's not that good at his job and et cetera, et cetera. I got an internship at Ride Home Projects to work on Highly Questionable. I talked to my managing director and he sat me down and he literally in, in like my exit meeting was like, Hey, you know, the shit you pulled here, if you want that job to be a career, they will fire your ass. You will not get past your internship, which you're quitting a real job for an internship. So you're taking the risk. You better take it seriously. If you keep behaving the way you're behaving. And I was like, Whoa, that would like no, not paying rent, not like giving up an actual job for an internship. Um, I was 23 and it was like, you know, get less shit faced on the weekend so you can actually do your job and and not be and you know, yeah, not be out of a but job that, yeah. and not be able to pay rent in six months. I think it helps to point to that one meeting, but that mm-hmm. seems like it was a process. You and know, I'm also like I think about, looking back yeah. on this now. At the yeah. time, I didn't feel that way. I think about that same thing for like when I went to business school, I, I went in with this football mentality of like, all right, now I'm gonna go win this. Mm-hmm. And like surprisingly at business school, like we did a bunch of the soft classes that everyone else like hated. Uh, it ended up sticking with me. And of where it was like, I don't actually like, how will you measure all of your life and happiness? Is it going to be about like how much more money? Cause like I was, I did a um, venture capital and uh, internship between semesters. And it was like, yeah, we're going to try to get hundreds out here. And then I was like, this sucks yeah like i this does not make me happy and then i whatever long story short actually nope story over now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful 
for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash DF. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Let's talk about happier things. <laughs> Kevin Durant, my man, out here cooking. They can't lose with them. Go ahead and start making the rings. I'm a Phoenix Suns fan now, by the way, just in case you were wondering. So me and Dominique, for the listeners, have long disagreed about Kevin Durant. Like I view Steph Curry as one of like the, you know, a greater basketball player than Kevin Durant. And it's muddied our conversations about the Warriors. Yes. I can admit. And I'm right. Eh, irrelevant erroneous irrelevant uh those are the best basketball teams i've ever seen kevin durant will never play in a better basketball team than that but this phoenix suns team is a better fit for kevin durant they're more fun to watch on offense can i give you a stat can i stat you down for a second please do stat me down so obviously he you know they beat the mavs durant hit the 14 foot fall away. That's completely unstoppable because the game is easier for him than it is for anyone else on offense in this era. But I was like, okay, I want to look at some of the lineup details. Cause like, it seems like this starting lineup is killing people. Uh, when Durant Booker, Chris Paul and eight, and they're on the floor, it's been three games. They've only had 124 possessions together. They're beating teams by 38.7 points per hundred possessions when they're on the floor together. And it doesn't look like my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. Mm -hmm. Like it's amazing amount of pick and rolls. The ball is moving. Everyone is doing what they are best at. I am stunned that it took three games for it to look like this. And it's like the Chris Paul doesn't even like feel like he's doing anything. You know, like they don't they don't even really utilize Chris Paul. Maybe that's going to bode well for him to be rested in the postseason or maybe it means that they don't actually need him. I don't know. But a couple of things that stood out in the Mavs game to me is a how much easier life has gotten for Devin Booker. B, this team had an all NBA player on it. And he's not as good as Kevin Durant. 
which is Devin Booker. And like Devin Booker's assist numbers are uh, were up in this last game. But the passing that just like kind of grabbed my attention was Kevin Durant. And you know how much I appreciate Kevin Durant. And most people do a good job of appreciating how great all-around basketball player he is. But I think the assist that he got in these, this game was only two of them. Both were to big men, one to Aiton and one to – um, what's the big white dude off the bench name? Uh, Landale. Landale. One to Landale. It was just like a complete understanding of the game. As you can see, he did like a jump and then wraparound pass to Landale. And it was like he had decided – three steps ago that he was going to do that pass. When you rewatch it and you know what's going to happen, you can watch Kevin Durant's brain work. And he also is on cruise control. This man hit a game winner and, and you couldn't tell by his reaction. He is coasting on offense and defense. Wait till we get in the finals or wait till we get in the playoffs. It's going to be something special. Well, and the tier, so the, to me that you're, when they were, they're going to run a lot of pick and roll, like a disgusting amount of pick and roll. Cause they have three guys that can do it as well as anyone. And what we're seeing now, if you show two bodies for Devin, but to Devin Booker on that, he's going to get 10 assists. If you show <laughs> two bodies to Kevin Durant, he's going to make the right play every single time. It's not going to be 10 assists like Booker. Cause yeah. he's not, it, it's he's, he's a right play passer, not an additive passer, which is totally fine for someone who's seven foot and can score from any spot in the floor. But it is so easy for them. And I can't remember. I think it was the first game that Chris Paul was like one for eight from the field and ended up with 10 assists. That's uh-huh. been his dream. That <laughs> has been Chris Paul's dream for that. And we got we got the full Chris Paul experience pointing out that when the Mavs only had four players on the floor, ratting them out to the refs. Uh, we got Devin Booker and Chris Paul puffing out their chest because they have the big bully behind them. Oh, like, yeah. if you thought that Suns team was unlikable last year when they were winners, when they were the winner's work team, they're going to be... 20 times the worst this year. Yeah, having Kevin Durant, having that is your big brother. It makes it a lot easier to walk around with your chest out. But I mean, in defense of um Devin Booker, he wasn't even talking trash this time. Like it was like us to me, it just seemed like um like Luca was just being sensitive. Like Devin Booker was pointing out that it was a charge. And he was pointing to the circle, right? And Luca went and like went, went nose to nose with him, like because you missed the layup. It, it didn't seem like Devin was like picking with Luca. He was complaining. He was complaining all game too. Yeah. But yeah, oh no, Luca. Luca's incredibly whiny. It, honestly, him and Devin Booker are sort of like the Spider Man meme with that because they both <laughs> they both whine all the time, and they also both talk a, a tremendous amount of shit, and then foe be offended. Like Booker called it, I think, an indirect taunt, saying he was trying to taunt Luca by talking to the ref. um yeah that's a good um one other durant thing in this you know you know how i feel about about Jokic, but Mm -hmm. durant has the highest true shooting percentage ever of someone who's scoring at least 25 points per game that's 68.1 percent and that's like Jokic is at 70.3 and like they do it in different ways but to put this in perspective like durant came off another knee injury it is just completely fine he's been a top five player in the nba again and it continues to stun me like i'm not saying anything revelatory there it's just fucking ridiculous he just gets to that same spot when he needs to and then elevates or fades uses the glass sometimes doesn't other times and catches catch and shoot from deep the the um chris paul threes the two threes that he hit they refuse to guard him yeah, you know, like they refused to guard Chris Paul because they're like the worst thing that could happen right now is uh, or the best thing for us right now is give Chris Paul a wide open three. 
Mm-hmm. And he hit a couple of them, missed some other ones. But yeah, and we saw Ish Wainwright go out of nowhere. It couldn't miss. Like if those guys play well, like I don't know that Ish Wainwright is going to get any minutes in like meaningful playoff games, but he might need to. If uh, if he can hit shots like that, and Craig was cold as ice, but it didn't matter because this team just – it's incredible. And we got like the, – the thing that's wild is – the Mavericks made more threes. They had more free throws. They had more points in transition. And they shot 50, 40, 92 from the field. Phoenix won the game. Someone tweeted the exact stats. And I, apologies, I don't have the exact sourcing for that. Who pointed all of this out. But that's the best game. And I know Luca was one for nine from three. But in totality, that's what you're going to expect from an offensive eruption for the Mavericks. And to have them lose that way, I think is really interesting. And it brings to something that I was wondering. Is this like pushing the limits? of like how throwing like of what team chemistry versus just throwing good players can be. Cause if they win a title, they're having played like 20 regular season games together. That is a wild chemistry experiment compared to the nuggets and the warriors who have like grown these teams playing together for years and the Celtics and Bucks. Kevin Durant uh, missed one shot from the field. Well, he missed one. Um, no, he missed, he was, oh, that was free throws, my bad. Kevin Durant was 12 for 17 mm-hmm. from the field and three for five from three. If he's hitting 70% of his shots and 60% of his threes, uh, I don't really care about. Yeah, the, yeah. if he's making 70% of his shots and 60% yeah, of his threes, you're I don't right. care about midseason <laughs> chemistry. You play with me and you. Yeah, I don't care about any of these things that you're talking about. All that matters is Kevin Durant can't be stopped. And it's not it's not like an unrealistic, unrepeatable stat line for him. Devin Booker did the same thing, 60% from the field and one for three from threes. Like these he could actually shoot better from deep. This is this is gonna be fun. I think this is gonna be the team that I'm rooting for. And I love old man Aiton in there making people angry. Have you uh have you ever gone chest to chest with someone in a pickup game like like Luca and, and, and Booker? Of course. Of course. I mean, it's like nobody really wants it to escalate, but in that moment you feel like you have to. You have also, I'm sure, at some point. I, I brought that up so I could tell this story. Yeah, of course. So when I was in my early 20s, I uh, was a member at an Equinox in DC. Yeah, it's a flex, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, and they have a basketball court at this Equinox because – it's in the condo building that Michael Jordan lived in when he owned the Wizards, and he built a basketball court there so he could train for his comeback. I was playing pickup basketball there. We were playing 21. It was me and two other guys who went to this gym who were pretty good. And three guys walked in. One was this really, really pretty man who was about a couple inches shorter than me, about 5'10". And then so two, you were jealous immediately. Immediately jealous. He took his shirt off. He had eight abs. Um, and then two huge guys. Like, and... I'm dumb. I was just like, I have a group of friends walked in. They're like, let's play threes. Two guys I'm with are really good. We are annihilating this team. And I'm guarding the little guy. And um, some guy on my team seems to know him and is like, like, make him sing to you. Make him sing to you, Trey. And I was like, uh, to that guy, like taunting him. And I was like, okay. And I, you know, sort of locked him up if we're being honest. <laughs> Swatted his shit a few times. <laughs> And then oh, he got God. in my face and he was talking shit and his, his buddies were like, okay, like, let's leave. This isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. And I leave and finish it. 
fit after we demolished this team. And the two guys are like, do you know who was like talking shit to you while I was, while I was telling him to sing? It was Trey Songs. He was playing at Verizon <laughs> Center and he was just livid that my doughy 5'11 and a half ass oh, oh gosh. packed his shit a couple of times and went <laughs> nose to nose with me. And I had no clue until the game oh, was over. That's outstanding. Trey Songs is a very pretty man, but can't hoop apparently because if you blocked him literally not at all couldn't jump over a phone book sorry Trey. speaking speaking of entertainment uh travis kelsey killed it on snl did you see that i did and like i've long been trying to zag and say that i don't like the kelsey's that much and that they get credit for being at he was actually funny he wasn't just yeah. funny. and it was like they normally or sometimes they have guests on there that they like hide them. They put them in one mm -hmm. or two. Like he was off the top of the show in every segment. And I mean, in every sketch and was like the pivotal comedic person in the sketches. They were like great. I thought he was exceptional. I hope he retires and becomes he also had more range than I was expecting. Like a lot of I thought he was just going to do like the the classic like Travis Kelsey over the top delivery. Yeah, showed some restraint. Yeah, I was proud of him. I saw that. And uh, also with my son, I watched all the creeds. Uh, this and then went to go Creed three. Have you seen that one yet? I haven't seen it yet. Probably gonna see it this okay. weekend. Yeah. Okay. Well, I won't talk about it. But um, uh, the only thing I will say is Creed one is the best Creed. Creed two is the second best Creed. Oh, sad. And Creed Creed three, go see it. Okay. Yeah, I think it's worth seeing, but uh, it's not as good as the as the other Creeds. But yeah, rewatching this weekend, I didn't remember Creed one being that good. Like, it's really, it's actually really a good movie, which I mean, it's done like Ryan Coogler is an incredible director. I should have known. It's a really good movie. Um, Michael B. Jordan is not the best actor, but like, he's a good movie star. And I got a Michael B. Jordan story. It's Ooh. not really much of a story. We sat next to each other in first class to the NBA All-Star game um, when I was working at the NBPA and we hung out that weekend. We were buds for a weekend. Then we never talked again. Seems like he's just a really nice guy. Cool guy. Yeah. Seems like it. Great, great jaw structure. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he has some enhancements. That's what the he's, people say. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, he's yeah. he's in the universally liked and the universally universally handsome group. I don't think anyone doesn't think that that Michael B. Jordan is cool and handsome. Yeah, well, you're not deep enough in in black Twitter or like uh, there was a stretch there where black women really didn't like Michael B. Jordan because of his relationship choices. I was about to say, but, is this is this poster yeah. during Lori Harvey? No, this was pre Lori Harvey. People uh. believe that Lori Harvey was a response to um, Michael B. Jordan not ever really being with black women. So then Lori Harvey shows up and anyway, Killmonger, greatest villain in the history of um, of cinema. All right. Anything else? Shut it down. Shut it down. Roses and thorns. Has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Roses and Thorns. It's here. Welcome, my lovely wife, Ashley Foxer. Hey, bud. Hey, honey. Hey. Like, it does. It's, I mean, obviously, I know my name's Ashley Fox, but they sign it that way all the time. I don't accidentally sign my maiden name. But every time I'm like, wow, the way, you know, we chose to go about, like, I would know you don't have to take your husband's last name. But sometimes when I hear you say my name, I'm like, my name really is something different than it was for the first <laughs> 20 some I, I, years of my life. I like it. I like it. I, I like being married to you, but it is so crazy when you think about it. I like to think of myself as fairly progressive 
Um, and if you didn't want to take my last name, I think I'd have been fine with it. I wouldn't. But you were like, okay, let's go to the DMV. You need a new license. (laughs) I was like, you're right. I do. I would not. Yeah. I think I, if I'm being completely honest, like I I do appreciate it. I think I would feel weird about it. It was a, uh, one of my classmates, a woman in business school who merged last names with her husband. And that's something I wouldn't do. Like, if you want to keep your last name, keep your last name. We're not going to mash them up. And we're not like, I'm not taking your last name. And maybe that makes me uh, sexist and, and ultra conservative. But it's just, I do think, though, like, and again, this is probably just like um, uh, socialization. But like having mm-hmm. a whole family with the same last name is kind of nice. If you wanted to keep your last name, then what do we give the last name to the kids? This is a problem that I'm sure many people, they hyphenate them or something. People have figured this out. And it's we not that big a deal. could have just been the Manworths or the Foxings. My maiden name is Manning. And we all would have had that same last name. Yeah, I'm good. I might have gone with Manworth. Um, Manworth? That, that's <laughs> gross and weird. <laughs> well, I'm glad we went with what we did why I like didn't even think about not changing my name because I had been teaching you know for prior to um us getting married and I would just be so confused at conferences like and obviously there are lots of different reasons why children or why guardians even might have the different last name than their kids but I would so I'd be like you know what I want my teachers to easily say this email coming from Ashley Foxworth is related to her daughter Avery Foxworth or her son Declan Foxworth you know uh, which is a silly reason actually I know someone how about this I know someone recently who had a most the most beautiful baby and the last name it's like hyphenated uh-huh. And the woman's name comes last. So ultimately, if a name gets dropped, like oftentimes the woman's oh, name goes yeah. first. And actually, it's not, it may not even be hyphenated. It might be like the Strategic. man's name is in the middle. Like for our son, his middle name is my maiden name. His middle name is Manning. Um, but it might be like that situation. And her name is last. I was like, you go, girl. <laughs> Strategic. Of her. How about that? All right. So I don't know if you have roses and thorns. You I do. Those, but I have my own. Okay, go ahead. I have some. Go oh, ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I don't have... My rose for you is you're always amazing. And I think I talked about this a little bit last week about how you are like coming into a family matriarch role. It's very early. Call like, me got... big mama. Yeah. That's the one thing that I knew you're not going to like about it is because like, I feel like that. And I, I thought am... to say that last week and I couldn't even bear to, to get it out my lips. Like I was also thinking that like, I'm the perfect stereotypical, like curmudgeonly old man. Like I, I can envision myself 20 years from now sitting, hanging out in the basement. Yeah, sitting in my in my recliner in the basement, uh, not wanting to talk to nobody because it's kind of what I do now. But um, the, those are all roses. The thorn, it's not a thorn about you as much as it's a thorn about uh, being an adult and having responsibilities all the time and home ownership. We got mysterious sounds in our house every morning, oh and I don't God. know where they're coming from. I can't figure them out. It sounds like someone's drilling a hole in our wall, and I and as soon as I get up to try to find it, it stops. It's every morning before seven a.m. Yeah, it stops, and it's uh, I've heard it once in the afternoon. I can't figure it out. It I thought it was coming from outside the house, but I think it's I think it's like an appliance or something. I don't know. That is about to explode, and I'm a little bit concerned about it. If that's the case. <laughs> Like, this is not a safe situation, which is where all the dangerous appliances are. Yeah, so the kids are <laughs> The water safe, heater, the gas stove. No, it's yeah. awful. And I texted um, my neighbor. Like, during the week, honestly, it's like it hits right when we should be waking up anyway, like 640 or something. On the weekend, and we had a long weekend this week because our kids' school was closed Thursday. I mean, closed Friday. Um, 
so on the weekend when you're like wanting to sleep in, it is so effing annoying. And so it really sounds like someone's like drilling a hole with like a jackhammer and cement outside. And so I um, text, how am I supposed to say texted in past tense? You used to get on me about this. Yeah, that's what I say. But you used to, you used to make fun no, of the way I said it. No, I was wrong because it just sounded weird to me. Yeah, I texted um, our neighbor and was like, hey, Ian, like. Are you hearing this too? Like I was short, was outside. Dominique was like, well, what if it could be coming from the inside? And I was like, there's no way. Nope, it's outside. And she's like, wow, that sounds so annoying. No. And I was like, shoot, my husband's right. It's inside. It's awful. Yes, I do agree with that. We've like rented in the past in other cities where we knew we would stay temporarily. Um, and, you know, we're so blessed to be able to buy a home in the city that we want to live in. But renting was real nice. Yeah, it's nice until, well... I remember when we lived in New York, the the super was taking too long to yeah, come fix our, our washer. That's annoying, too. But then I just try to fix it myself, which is also annoying. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We're going to figure this out. We get to the bottom of what's rattling in our house and shaking the foundation every morning. Will they get to the bottom of it? Or this is the last episode of Roses of Thorns. Next week, you guys can run a memorial when our house explodes. That's really not funny. I thought it was hilarious. Somebody's laughing. There's one person with a dark sense of humor right now who's getting a chuckle. And it's like right where I'm sitting, too. Uh, where I'm <laughs> sitting right now is the dining room. It's underneath of our bedroom. Like it could happen any second, guys. Um, tell my kids I love them um, and tell good luck to whoever's going to raise them. I know who it is in the world. Whoever's going to raise them. I'm going to raise them. Well, we're both in the house. You're right under me, but we could all go out. Uh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be all right. They'll raise themselves. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that is related to my thorn though, um, which I'll share now. My thorn is just generally that parenting is hard. Um, and not hard in like the day-to-day. -day. It's not like, oh, we gotta wake up this time. Like, and that's a lot, right? Like I told you, my kids' sports schedule Mondays used to be our hell day. Um, just trying to physically get them to all their activities, dance, tutorings, basketball here, basketball there, while Dominique's away. Thank God there's Jasmine, our great babysitter. So yeah, that can be hard. Like Getting kids to listen to you and go to bed can be hard. To have balanced diets can be hard. But like lately, what I'm realizing is hard as the kids get older is like particularly um, for kids that are a little bit different. It's all the decisions we have to make around them. Like that is the hard part for me now. And it's like the emotional drain of like having to decide everything for this little person who the best decision may or may not be the one that makes him or her happy. You know what I mean? Like. And it may or may not make your life easier or more challenging. It may and, make and, it harder. Yes. And it's also like if it were clear, I think that's the the yeah. challenging thing for me is like if it's I don't I was gonna say I don't mind doing hard things. Doing hard things sucks. Yeah. But like I'm capable of doing hard things. Yeah. And like sometimes I wish and this is like the the, pro the problems they say that get to the president's desk are the ones that don't have easy answers. I wish that they were just like, hey, you got to build this wall. That's a bad analogy on yeah, politics. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> gotta, he won't take a woman's last name. Now he's trying to build a wall, guys. <laughs> but I mean, you get my point where it's like a simple thing like Legos. Declan likes Legos. So like you have to build this. These are the directions. It's going to take you 40 hours to do this, but you have to do this. I would sit there and grind it out. It would suck or whatever. You have to like work out every day and it's really hard and really max yourself out every day. Like I can do that. The toughest thing is like is this the right thing to do and I, I remember doing a podcast a long time ago um I think it was well whatever I think it was about money and it was like before uh it was like right after Avery was born and I remember like projecting like I, I wasn't so poor, podcast but... existed 12 years ago wow y'all this is news <laughs> to me I remember like 
based on my like upbringing, I re- we weren't poor, obviously, but like I remember growing up and thinking like the financial challenges were like the biggest challenge is figuring out and, and understanding like, like education is based on how much money you have and like opportunities based on how much money you have and like stress and amount of time you can devote to your kids is based on how much money you have. And I remember right around the time Avery was being born, I remember like saying on this podcast, essentially like a lot of the, because I made money playing football, like a lot of the most difficult things about being a parent are taken care of. I was wrong as so wrong. Like it does make things a easier, obviously, but when it comes down to it, it's the pressure. I had this conversation actually with Declan this weekend because we were talking about John Morant and he, I was explaining to him what, how John Morant's gotten in some trouble. And, and, uh, and I told him about, I told him and Avery the story about Darren, my teammate in Denver who got killed. Uh, and I was just saying that like being a parent is, the most stressful and like unnerving thing. And Declan thought it was the dumbest thing I could have said. So I tried to explain to him. It was like, can you imagine the thing that you care about most in the world? You have no control over it. Like you leave this house every day and I can't control how you behave. I can't control what happens to you. I can't control what you do. And the only thing I want, or the thing I want above all else, you know, is like for you to be happy and successful and fine. And I think he grasped it and then he threw it out of his head and yelled at me about something. I know. I know. Like all the corny sayings, like, like um, your heart beating outside your chest, yeah. like that to me sounded so dumb. Um, probably until I had a child, like, right. Cause it's like, that is like, and I can't, I can't protect it in that space. And you know, me, we all know he likes to claim I have anxiety. Um, so like, that's like, it's stressful, the safety part, but like, but right now my concerns aren't even, they probably should be, but around safety, but it's like, just like making good decisions to have like, for me successful okay we'll deal with that down the line healthy like that's something i feel like the the physical health part like i stay on top of their health i feed them well we're lucky that they haven't had significant like physical ailments um which which i do think about and worry about of course but like like the happiness is like my thing that i'm trying for right now and um that saying like you're only as happy as like your least happy child i don't think i understood what that meant until like a year ago when we started to have like some mental health challenges presenting in our family um and that was like um so but we make decisions and i'm grateful that you are the person i get to make the decisions with this this podcast about to get a little too real i know i I know i know y'all life can be hard life can be hard we don't know these people that well but the point the point remains the thing that I try to remind myself that makes me feel a, a little better when things get tough um, about family stuff and about making decisions. And it's easier to give this advice when I have like my cousin or somebody come to ask me for advice. Um, it's always a tough decision. Like, should I move here? Should I take this job? Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, and my advice normally is like, it's going to be all right. Like pick what you feel good yeah. about and like do the best you can at it. Honestly, like most of the time, the feeling, the decisions that you feel like are so huge and impactful are not as impactful as the things that you don't have control over. So mm-hmm. like we can just do the best that we can and then look back and try to pretend like our decisions are the reason for the success or like get sad because our decisions are the reason. And, and to your point, like success is an interesting word because I think we define success differently for different people in in uh, different situations. Because mm-hmm. at this point, like success for for 
somebody, <laughs> the bar could look low relative to someone else. So making those that's decisions. The thing. I don't even think it does. Like, I just, I guess I'm thinking of short. I don't think so. I think that bar is like that's ridiculously high, which is the scary part. So that's why sometimes I do think it's decisions yeah. we're making now that really could impact it down the line. But I think for me right now, I don't think of success as a long-term thing. I think of it in, in looking at it for this particular child as a short-term thing. And like so much of it has to do with like happiness and just like general, like, well, social functioning that like, because, because for that person, like that happiness is part of like the social stuff is so important to the happiness. For I think the one. breath, the, the breath of possibilities is so much bigger. <laughs> and it's like the, the ceiling is so much higher and like the potential for the floor is, uh, is lower. I think than I would have anticipated before I had children. And like I mentioned, the ceiling is as high as you can imagine. So figuring out how to make that work. But I, I think the tough thing about, all this stuff is the decisions that we have control over. Like it's going to come down to <laughs> who hypothetically speaking, <laughs> any person is and when they, at what rate they mature. Like I, um, we're recording this before we record the stuff that everyone's already heard, but this is a part of what I wanted to talk about. And hopefully I get to in the earlier podcast. It's just, how do you get someone to learn, <laughs> you know, and how do you not learn like their ABCs, but I think the word is probably more mature. It's like, how do you get someone to mature and see the world? I think this is the hardest thing. It's like, it's you're trying to get someone to see the world the way that everyone else sees the world. And it's not to discredit the way that they see the world, but it's also understanding that you can't change the world. So like you have to figure out how to operate within it. And it's a hard thing to do because just telling somebody like, no, that's wrong. Like that never has ever worked for any of us. Like it's just. I mean, it works for me and Avery really well. <laughs> nah, <laughs> I don't think so. I think, I mean, I guess. maybe I'm a right. rule follower. More... I guess it depends on whose rules they are, but I'm like a, a rule of the like general rules of the world follower. Like. Like you might tell me to do something. I'm like, nah, but, but like real hard and fast, objectively created and, um, and kind of patrolled rules. I'm like, okay. Um, or at least I don't want to get caught breaking them. I had a moment that reminded me of you, of you last week when I was driving back home from dropping the kids off at school as I was driving through one of the neighborhoods that's like really close to our neighborhood. So we're all almost home. And I know you've gotten into it not gotten into it, but like gotten annoyed with neighbors. Before oh, let me tell because you. Because they like are trying to tell you to slow down. But I'm not going very fast. Right. And they try to tell you to slow down. And I think um, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you said things like this is like part of it is them like being it's feeling like they they feel like this is their neighborhood and like they can tell you what to do in part because of age and race and all these other things. But anyway, I'm coming home and I come around a corner I'm definitely I'm not flying, but I'm going faster than the speed limit. The speed limit is like 25 and probably doing 35. But like we all do 35 and 25. Chill out. You're a great rule. Lawbreaker. <laughs> but anyway, she's walking her dog in the street. And so I, who's I more wrong? Yeah, I don't I don't come close to hitting her. But she like, JK, oh, I think you were somewhere wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I turn and like I see her I, breaks is 10 feet is not even close. But I slam on the brakes and I like wave to apologize. And is it somebody we know? No, this is like um, a few blocks away. OK, yeah, it's on the other side of Nebraska. Okay. But anyway, she 
I waved to like apologize and she's like angrily like waving her hand to tell me to slow down. Oh, I pulled out so fast. Okay, that you should not have done. My story is better though. My story is better. It was like maybe six years ago. We've been in our house for a couple years and we are at the time, I think we were one of three black families of like maybe the like 20 on our side of the street and we're the only young one. The other two are older. Now we're one of two. Um, and I definitely like I was 29 when we moved here. Most people are like 50 and their kids are in high school. And I was coming up the hill right in front of my house. Like they're like, two. oh, that was Michael Jackson's manager. I was trying to figure out. I know that there's a Guyanese family. No, former. Yes, uh, Miss Bain. Okay. Um, But so I was um, coming up the hill and like I, my house is on the bottom. I'm like the second to last house on the street or third to last. I'm sorry. Like we live like in a city or like in DC. So it's not like, you know, it's, it's not like there's miles between houses or, you know, a lot yeah. of space between houses. So we're on the third house on the block and I'm coming up from the bottom. Like I turned onto our street from the bottom and it's uphill. I had just looked at my speedometer. I can't remember if it was 26 or 28. So yes, I accelerated quickly because I had to pee really badly, but I was still going about the speed limit. Um, 26 28 whatever again this man walking dogs in the middle of the street gets turns around and he has these teenagers who used to speed down the street all the time and i'd always be nice to them like i give them rides home from the farmer's market just recently since then their dogs were running wild i bought their brought their dogs back but he stopped like dead in the street did not want to move over um behind me like so we've already safely passed each other like it wasn't dangerous to yell at me, like at the top of his lungs, yeah, don't you dare drive on this street that fast. I had to pee so bad, y'all. And my little kids, the older two now, they were on the back seat. I think I wasn't even pregnant with Emerson yet. I closed the door. So it was probably like seven years ago in the middle of the street, put the car in park and got out and was like, excuse me. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, my thing is, and I was like, you don't need to speak to me like that. You sound extremely disrespectful. I was going 26. I think it might've been 26, but maybe it was 28, but I probably said 26. I was going Either 26 way. miles per hour. I would not speed in my own neighborhood. Like this, in this case, I had my kids with me. I mean, I wouldn't drive like recklessly yeah. in my own neighborhood. Like my kids, my neighbor's kid, I'm not trying to hit my neighbor's kid and then like live with that for the rest of my life and have to move like no like I was not I'd be really bad for a lot of reasons okay um I wasn't being reckless like I had to pee so bad so admittedly I don't normally go 26 right there but I had to pee really bad but I knew I had just seen the number 26 and I'm like this the thing that pissed me off is like one and I told I was like you really need to talk to your children about how they come down the street actually if you want to talk to me you don't talk to them like this or at least they don't listen so why the hell you think I'm about to to your brood ass I don't know but then also like if it were you know one of his neighbors who are like like famous this or famous that or older this white guy or the guy who owns this company. I bet you he would never when they drive up yeah. and down in their sports cars, not always going slow. Maybe he would say, hey, buddy, would you please drive a little slower? But he wouldn't have yelled in that tone that he took with me. Um, and so I had to let him know. And my kids, when I got back in the car, were like, mom, is that our neighbor? You talking like that? I'm like, and you heard how he talked to me? I was like, people don't talk to you like that. Um, so, so anyway, yeah. That was that was a little bit different. The lady just waved at me and yeah. I didn't like it. And I yeah. peeled out. And then on you her sped ass. off. I wouldn't Skirt. have done that. And then all I did was turn into our drive. I was like, kids, now hurry up and get out because I have to pee. And I'll be like, wait. I'll be like, let me see that man right. again. Um, <laughs> and a couple of times I did, and I would just glare at him. His wife would try to be real sweet. Um, but I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Y'all know you were wrong. Um, so anyway, I do have a rose though. We've had a lot of negative. This is normally a really happy podcast. It's still happy. <laughs> I'm happy. Well, I'm happy too. But here's why. And my rose is this. My rose is this time with you. Like, 
I appreciate it. Again, you can fire me from this anytime. Like, I'm not going to be mad. We can just carve out this time. But it's forced us to, like, intentionally carve out time during the day where we can chat. And it's not, I mean, a lot of times, actually, today, it did end up being about our kids or about parenting generally. But it's not always about our kids where I feel like sometimes, particularly right now, where, like, my thorn is, like, having to make decisions and that weighs on my mind and, like, what's best to do for my kids. Um, and and we're so, I'm so grateful because we have so many choices, right? Like, and that's part of the problem. Like, we're lucky to have these these choices, but it gives you choices. Um, and so, and to have access to all these resources, but then it's like, well, which resource is the one that's going to be the most beneficial for my kid? But the rose is this time that we have. Um, because I do, I don't know if you've noticed, because you actually don't like going on dates with me, but I feel like our, we don't go on dates as much as we used to. Like, we just haven't had the, the time or like, for me, like I'm like drained. Yeah. Like I get yeah. in bed. Last night I fell asleep at 8 30. Like, yeah. like um, so I'm grateful that we have this time, but I'm also curious and I I'm if you have ideas for like more things we can do together that like so mm. more things we do better. Okay, uh, never mind. You're gonna make it inappropriate. But like I'm I like, going walks, like what else should we because yeah, I want to keep making sure I used to be so good at good. working out date night time, but I don't do that anymore. Working out together is probably good. Walks are good. Um, the date nights, yeah. I mean, we probably went on too many dates at one point. Like it was a couple was dates great. a week. No, yeah, it wasn't a couple dates a week. It was once a week. Yeah, it's a lot of dates, but anyway, which is a lot for which is a lot. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm I honestly, I'm very much in favor of carving out uh independent non kid time, and it doesn't always have to be around like eating and drinking it could be around some but other the problem stuff, is guys so. i love eating and drinking i love yes, eating and drinking. speaking of i walked to black salt this neighborhood restaurant with avery sunday honey brunch is back and it was so good i think it needs to be like a regular thing on the weekends that we walk down there with the family for brunch because it was so good and guys when you walk you can drink and walk home safely so <laughs> can we please do more of that Sure. I'm down with it. It was um, so good. Oh, my God. I think, yeah. So I think we need to figure out when we can get some time, just the two of us, especially leading up to spring break oh and God. maybe even after spring break. After because, we'll definitely need it. So this is my thorn for you. That's a, a, a negative thorn is stop calling. Stop calling this spring break trip my birthday trip. It's absurd. This is not my birthday trip. My birthday happens to fall on a trip. And first of all, I, I I'm a almost 40 year old man what i look like 40 talking over his birthday trip guys the monday of his birthday trip. <laughs> what i look like talking about it's my birthday trip we was birthday week a and b if it was a birthday the trip, the whole trip you're I, right will be your birthday it's your birthday week you're right. if it were a birthday trip that i was planning it would not take into account any of you guys desires and i would not take the children it would be you and me maybe some other friends and ooh, ooh, ooh. it would be to uh to somewhere that i want to go maybe galapagos island something like that something but you know the kids want to go to the galapagos so bad you can't go uh, there without them or, uh, yeah or a safari or something like something international i would not pick the places that we are going and i would not take into account everyone else's interests and desires so two reasons not to call it a birthday trip it's spring break it's spring break everybody has spring break some people go away i'm sorry that he some cursed christina guys listen i curse all the time he does oh, not curse when he curses it's like because he really means it like if we're oh. arguing and he says a curse word i'm like this thing. 
man, let me just turn around. Um, but I mean, of course, I don't just say that. I say, oh, he wants to curse at me. Mind you, I curse at him all day. But when he curses at me, it's coming from an emotional place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your cursing is just the way you talk. And yeah, I understand that you're, you're cursing just because of how you talk. I don't curse. I mean, I curse, but not nearly as much not as you. And yeah, yeah I, I, I save so him. so perfect. I'm not perfect at all. I oh, mean, give him his roses. He's wonderful. Some curse words, but to be so, clear, this is, is not. He is effing mad about to, this. Trip. This is going to be a long, exhausting, rewarding, fun trip. But it's not my birthday. But who trip. planned it though? But who planned it? Because here's Just the thing: because I planned it, don't mean it's, you planned lots of. You planned here's, Declan's birthday party. I mean, it was your birthday party. No, Dominique. But I'm saying you're complaining about it in advance and talking about how exhausting it's going to be, and you're acting like you did it for me. Yeah, I am kind of excited. So we're going to Aspen. I've never, ever, not once in my life been skiing. And all the years that he um, played for the Broncos, like, you know, Aspen he went in Miami. Injured him. Yeah, Aspen and Miami. So both local places, we don't have passports for everyone. Most of ours are expired, and the little ones never left the country. And, and intentionally sabotaged the passport No, process. I didn't sabotage. I researched it and realized it made more sense to wait till the last minute we're in D.C. and then go to the State Department myself. So you could have booked a trip. My plan was like, okay, like by the time I considered getting it, it was like two months in. I said, I'm going to just wait then. So I actually like it was fine that you didn't because like I am fine. Like there's so many great places to explore in the U.S. <laughs> like we don't need passports. Okay. And we've got Puerto Rico. Um, We're good. They, uh, you know, colonizing is so bad, but I really love that. Puerto Rico and Hawaii do not require passports. So whoever made that happen, I don't want to condone your actions on that, but I do love Puerto Rico, especially because it's close. Um, Hawaii, I like to put it far. So in this podcast, make sure that we advertise it as Dominique advocates for building a wall and Ashley promotes colonization. There you go. And Dominique doesn't believe in taking women's last names, but that's number one. Number two is that he planned a ski trip. No one in my family, except for him, has ever done any winter like sports, like skiing or snowboarding. Um, and to Aspen, which will be lovely, but very expensive. Um, I'm not going to show up not looking like Ski Chalet Barbie. So a lot of pink ski suits have been ordered. They're not cheap. Like, I mean, they get ordered. I have a huge bag of ski stuff to send back. Yeah. Like, like actually today, I literally have I to write it on my to-do list. I think people who have been following stuff. this for a while know that you love a thing. That I'm going to go yeah. look and like that was, that was one. That was one of the things that had me hesitant was like, this trip is going to be really expensive. And I know it's going to get even more expensive because I know that you are going to have to have a fit for the day and all the kids are going to be matching and everyone's gonna i mean not matching matching's the wrong word but go it's gonna it's all going to coordinate well together and it's just going to be so you know i actually let that so go fly. a little bit other than so much of the stuff is from the same place so uh, it okay. just all goes but i was like no this is a- i remember so- in part because it it might lead to a fight because i remember a couple of vacations ago some people didn't want to wear the, the right clothes on the no, right stop day saying some people we bad. know who the people was <laughs> it was a person one young man was like, nah, I don't want to wear that today. It just clashing with the whole crew. I, I, on the other hand, am a man who gave up fighting a long time ago. You lay, you laid out my clothes. It looked good. All right. I'm gonna put that shit on. We gonna look like a cute little family. But anyway, um, it never matches, but you know, it subtly coordinates. Um, no, I, I ordered a lot of stuff. So much needs to go back. It'll be great. The pa- the first thing I ordered actually was a new suitcase. I was like, this is a lot. Of- when I started thinking about all the stuff, I was like, this is a lot of stuff to pack, especially because we're going from there to warm weather. 
um afterwards so so the packing will be interesting but I just think that yes maybe it's not a birthday trip in the sense that it's not fun but because the trip was over his birthday um and I know he kind of like if it were up to me we would have been in Puerto Rico y'all we would have been chilling by the beach we would have done some water sports maybe visited the jungle or rainforest whatever they got there and it would have been great and that would have been it but he would have found that boring and annoying because it would have been like our third recent trip to Puerto Rico. And so I turned it over to him and let him plan it um, because he complains about when I'm like, well, the kids really want to go to Disney World. So, OK, we'll go to Disney World. You um, also really or... want to go to Disney World. And I, I, we've say? been to Disney. You also really want to go to Disney World. I'm a little over it, but it makes them happy. But anyway, my point is you chose the location. So don't complain about it. Like, don't, don't complain about how exhausting it's going to be or about how we have to take connecting flights or about how it's a lot to pack or how Ashley has to buy four different leopard print ski outfits. Don't complain about any of that um, when you chose it. Okay. That's that's a that's a it, trick right there. Just because you pick something doesn't mean that you can't complain about it. You pick me, but you still complain about me. Oh, I come here giving rose after rose. I changed the segment because I got tired of giving you thorns. So you don't have an audience who's going to buy that I complain about you a lot. Just Thank in you. general. The point is, just because you select something doesn't mean that you're not, it's not okay to. Okay. Well, the example that you just gave was a bad one, especially right here, right now. So I just say, well, like, you just yeah, complained about my example. Trip. So you picked me in my examples. But that's not about you. Um, okay. we're going to be away on his 40th birthday. It happens to fall. His 40th birthday is the Monday of our kids spring break. Um, and I feel like it's their spring break. Like we're not people who just pick up and travel on the weekends. So since they have the week off and like we do, we are able to flexible enough to travel some, we should travel then together as a family since they're off school instead of being like here, grandparents, we're going to the Galapagos, me and Dominique for oh, our yeah. spring break and leaving. So yes, it is not your birthday trip, but it is your birthday and it falls during this trip. And I'm looking for a dinner reservation for the, the adults that will be on the trip so that I can wear probably a sequence dress for your birthday dinner. So it is yes, your birthday is during the trip. It is <laughs> all about celebrating your birthday. You chose the trip. Don't complain to me about nothing, oh, including the sequence dress that I'm going to have to buy to celebrate your birthday and all the ski outfits that yeah. I'll need to wear. Just please don't call it my birthday trip or birthday week. Like, well, even if it were my birthday trip or birthday week, that's just not terminology that I feel comfortable using using or celebrating i have a birthday i don't want to celebrate that but we will and i don't know how often i called it his birthday trip but he's decided to complain that i did call it his you birthday have trip a, lot. a bunch of times because you're no you i say you chose people. the trip because it's on your birthday you said it to other people because when i invited your sister she's like oh you let me come on my, your birthday trip what? He, she knows when your birthday is and that we're going on a trip you oh. came up with that terminology guys which I did means not. he really wants us to call it his birthday trip. goodness gracious i hate this so I'm much make sure i call the hotel and have them install balloon arches before we get there you're well, welcome i'm gonna go off with some cigarettes while we're there <laughs> <laughs> better come the f back so we can keep making all these decisions together that are so fun Goodness. sorry buddy i love you love you too bye this is the dominique foxworth show 